Buongiorno and welcome to the More Way Thinking podcast hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week where we speak to extraordinary individuals. I've got an hair in my mouth. Um, extraordinary individuals such as Sarah Preston. Now, Sarah is an amazing actress, experienced. She has done the lot. She went to RADA early on and she's been on lots of different sets and TV series and worked with amazing people, uh, very famous people, Ricky Gervais, Andrew Lincoln, people like that. Uh, she's such a lovely person to speak to uh, and so she has such a great insight insight into the acting world so you're going to love this chat with her uh, so make sure you stay tuned now remember there's only four rules to the podcast one no bullshitting two no judging three no negativity and four have fun and we do all four of those in this episode enough of me mumbling on let's get on with it here's my interview with the brilliant sarah so welcome this morning to my way of thinking podcast and i have a very special guest on today it is the one and only sarah preston welcome sarah <laughs> how are you this morning very good, very good. Oh, uh, good. me outside, but yeah, all good. Had a busy morning? Uh, yeah, been running around doing things. Normally I would have gone to the gym, but I didn't quite have time this morning before this podcast, so. Yes. Do you do gym in the Are you a gym morning person? I am, yeah. I did go last night because, again, I didn't have time in the morning, but yeah, I like to get up and get out and get to the gym and get my head straight for the, for the day. Oh, see, I am the opposite. What I do yeah. is I put it off because <laughs> I, I might go for it and just a run or, or go to the gym. So I'll go, I'll do that later, do that later, do that later. Now, because it's staying light at the minute, I'm, it's mm. not too bad. But in the winter, it's like I'm looking at my watch, it's like getting near three o'clock. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's the danger, isn't it? You just put it off. I do that. I would put it off and put it off and not go. So I have to get out and. Yeah, I have, I have done it a few times where I've got up really early mm. in the morning. I do feel better for it. What time would you mm. What time would you get up if you went to the gym early? I'd like to say I get up at six o'clock every morning, but uh, I don't. I I try and get in as early as I possibly can. Yeah. But it depends how tired I am from the day before. But I, I try and put my alarm on for 6.30 every morning. Yeah. And I get up and, yeah, out the house I, by at least 7.30. I'll tell you what, though, once you do, I mean, yeah, it's hard getting there, going to the gym or going for a run or whatever you're going to do, but you feel great afterwards, don't you? It sets yeah, you off for the day. Endorphins kicking around. Yeah, it's good. I have to because my head gets a bit squirrely otherwise. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, all, th- this morning, I'm absolutely knackered because last night, uh, well, yesterday, my daughter went to the Royal Albert Hall to do this thing, this choir thing with school, oh, wow. which is amazing. And it's one place. Have you ever been to the Royal Albert Hall? I haven't, no. Not no, I'd, no, I'd love it. It's one of them places I'd love to go. And I was like, get me backstage photos, you know, because you got photos up. And uh, I picked her up last night. The buzz got back and it was about one in the morning. I was knackered. And um, I said, did you get any pictures? She goes, no, not really. Didn't get one. Because oh, no. I got, got one of Adele. I was like, oh, the biggest singing superstar in the world. Is that it? Ugh. Is that all you can manage? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so where are you? Based at the minute, are you in northeast at the minute? Is that correct? Or uh, no, I'm based in Surrey. I've based been, in yeah, I've been down here. I lived down here since I came to came to college. Right, okay. Um, I do because, get back because I noticed that you've got the when you we talk about bamboo media later. Mm. That's about the northeast. Mm. We'll talk about that. Whereabouts in Surrey are you? I'm in Carshalton. Oh, Carshalton. Mm. Now I've heard of Carshalton, but I've never interviewed any from there, anyone well, from there so tell me i always start the interview and ask tell me something interesting about that 
that I maybe no one would know about if you've been there so long. Grief. <clears throat> I haven't actually been here that long. Um... It's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, fresh. Um, something interesting. Oh, wow. Uh, there is a chap that keeps telling my friends some really interesting facts, but I can't remember any of them now. Um, but it, it is a really lovely place. We, I live just near the Wandle, so the Wandle uh, River. All right, okay. Through, which is really nice. Um, is it a vi- is it a village? <clears throat> yeah, there's a little Carl Shelton High Street, which is quite villagey, and then there's Carl Shelton Beaches, which has got its own little groups of shops and things, and then there's Carl Shelton a bit further on. Um, so yeah, it's got little pockets of different types of areas, really. Do you get many tourists down there through the summer? Tourists? Um, no, but you do get, you see all these dog walkers that have never been around when it's really wet and gloomy or, or yeah. just normal weather. It was when in the pandemic, it was, it was quite funny because we'd walk around and, and my friend's got a dog. We'd go for dog walks and there'd be a few and you'd know the dog walkers and as, with a dog, you'd know. You get yeah. to know specific people and all of a sudden all these people turned up and they'd be sitting in the park and just filling the whole spaces and all these dogs you've never seen before. And you're like, what are you doing in our space? Go away, it's not yours. <laughs> you don't belong here, go away. I know, you're very territorial. Because yeah. I noticed that with some people like, where I go running, um, I've worked it out over many years. So there's no one around there, which is great. You know, I can run. It's, it's not massive. It's like three or four, four, four miles. And, uh, but it's great. And as soon as I see a dog walk, I'm like, what the fuck? What, what are you using my path for? This is my four mile route. Go where everyone else is. Then you're up. Yeah. Yeah. This is my secret little route. You bastard. <laughs> I used to live near, um, well, not later. I used to live in Banstead Woods. Excuse me, a development there. Uh, it's an old converted um, building. Yeah. That's, and the woods, I still love those woods. Yeah. And then I would go out and walk my dog I had at the time. And it was just magical. The woods were so quiet. And the same thing, you'd come across people. And I'd usually avoid lots of people just to keep, you know, have a nice quiet walk. But it was that, and you'd see in the summer and you see loads of people and you're like, it's not yeah. your space just yeah. yeah i think there is some it's quite you know sometimes we talk about meditation on the podcast but mm. i think it is not it's that little bit of peace like mm. i'll walk the dog in the morning um and mm. it's just that little bit of peace isn't it because then you'll come home and you might have to go into town or in the city center and it's all just hustle bustle and i think you need mm. you need that space sometimes to get your your mind in check i couldn't mm. imagine never having that space you know if you lived in the middle of somewhere where i mean if you think of a lot of big cities you know we've got hyde park if you think of new york where they've got central there's always a a, a space somewhere where you can get away from it because you need that don't you (laughs) absolutely we all need that yeah you need that switch off time definitely definitely rob well thanks so much for coming on today now uh the big reason we connected um over the internet as you do and as soon as I seen your picture, I thought, Sarah, you're one of those characters that's been on telly for many, many years, seen you here, there and everywhere. Um, and I was just fascinated in what you've been up to because you have worked with, you know, so many 
brilliant actresses and actors and, and you went to RADA. So I think the big thing is, and you started when you were young, and acting's always been an interest to me because when I was younger, I was going to be an actor. And uh, it, I, I went on a few courses here and there. And then all of a sudden, when I was about, I don't know, 20 or something, I was like, whoa, this is, this is, this is hard work. And <laughs> I, I realised then I'm more of a creative behind the camera. I enjoy directing and, and writing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But where it probably spurred for me was at school and sort of just you had your school plays, but also art and just being creative. Is that tell me about a bit about that when you were at school, where that spurned that creative thing spurned from? I think I've excuse me, I think I've always been creative. Yeah. I always used to love drawing and making things and, you know, my mum would sit for hours and we'd make things and I'd, I'd make little pap- papier-mâché, you know, furniture and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've always created that. And when I was younger, I had a dressing up box and it had like wigs and old clothes and odd bits and things in it. And my, I'd get my friends and they'd come and we'd, put them on create characters and I would be going right well you're such and such you're such and such and let's do this and then when we do this we'll do that and create a little you know improvising I didn't know what it was then but and we'd just act out these little scenarios um usually involved me being the the lady of the house and no it was and I had hours of fun doing that so I just do that now and get paid for it yeah, so. I think yeah, I remember in, at school, they used to have school plays and mm. I always wanted to be like the lead part. So yeah. we'd have the three bets and Goldilocks and mm. I'd want to be a bear and then end up casting me as a tree. Something really <laughs> shit like that. And, and it really, and, and, or were you one of those that, yeah. you ne- or were you the other person that always got the lead roles? Because that used to make me sick. No, I distinctly have one memory of when I was in junior school and we did the Christmas play and there was uh, a classmate who got cast as Santa Claus <sighs> and I was one of the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and he had this speech and obviously he had, I, I, I can't remember whether he used the lines when he actually performed it. I don't think he did. He must have remembered them. But he was lauded for remembering these lines and I was sitting there seething going I could have done that <laughs> I could have learned those lines why can't I be Santa Claus you know why can't I be Father Christmas yeah and there is a picture of me <laughs> on on stage I sat on stage I was sat on the floor and he was on the block you know yeah. and my face is a picture yeah really like just like totally had in you know <laughs> over it <laughs> <laughs> say the, I love performing it and being in it yeah. and any any chance to do any performing was was amazing don't get me wrong but it there was that that hankering to mm. to be more involved and to show more and to just to be involved more really it's that whole creative process that I love and it's not about being the lead or being seen you know as as the the leader of the pack or anything it's just being involved in that that whole creative process and I felt on the periphery being a small part because I wasn't involved in the whole kind of storytelling yeah, arc yeah. at all. I think it's having a voice as well. Um, mm. Having a, having a, yes, you want to be the collective, but just having mm. a bit of a standout voice. Um, mm. Cause I remember we, we do plays and then they'd pick 
they'd pick who they wanted for the lead parts. And then the rest of the kids, they knew they had to give the rest of the kids something. So they'd be like, right, you're the choir. And I'd be like, the choir, I can't sing. I just want to act. <laughs> and uh, so I remember, but actually when I got to sort of senior years and I was like 15, 16, I was doing drama. I actually got some good good parts then, so I was quite happy. But what I realised is then you've got the pressure then. So, you know, you go through all your life and you're like, oh, I want to be, I want to be the lead or I want to have a voice or whatever. And then and then the pressure's on. So dealing with that is a whole new ball game, mm-hmm. ain't it? Absolutely. It is it's one thing to have it in your head and to think what it might be like. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice. Think what it might be like and then actually having to step up and deliver and do it. Yeah. Uh, that is and that's that's part of the the craft that that gets kind of left out of the game a bit especially at the moment people there's a lot of um i call candy casting so or stunt casting and and it's great for a short time but then if you haven't had that that tool of of maybe training or ability or just Mm. innate kind of desire to do that when you actually get asked to step up to the plate it's it's a very different story then you have to go into all you know the 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 tips and tricks of it you know learning your lines how you're going to do that each night you know being able to work with other actors and to to go with the flow with it all and be malleable and and to be into part of that experience and you know obviously being trained I have that to fall back on and I have a a kind of a process and a way of working. So I have that to come back to because I don't care who you are. We all have those moments of, of going, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> Help. And, or just getting on set in front of a camera and drying. And if you haven't got, if you haven't done the work beforehand, you get to that position. You're not going to be able to deliver what you, what everybody else needs you to deliver. And everyone yeah. else has done their job. The writers have done their job. The directors, the cameras, you know the crew everybody's there waiting and if you can't deliver on action yeah. or or on a play and you walk on stage then you let the whole production and everybody down so yeah i don't i, th- I think it um we what you appreciate it obviously because you're in the thing mm-hmm. i appreciate it because i've been beyond the camera and, and, and done a bit of directing a bit of, mm-hmm. but i think to a normal viewer they don't quite you see these famous people and they've got lots of money, but the people that are at the top of the game, they don't realise, like you said, how good they actually are. And it's not just about being in front of a camera and acting. You know, these people that lead these films, there's a lot of money involved, a lot of people, a lot of stresses. And when they say action, you can't think of any of that. And that is, it's a skill that I suppose... You, you learn over many years. It's like mm. anything with experience. I know you get some freaks in nature where they're young kids and they're amazing. Mm. Um, but I, I think, you know, people don't realise today that it's, it's such a, a, a skill. It's because it's not natural. What you're doing is not natural, mm-hmm. but it has to look natural, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a skill. And you can, you can be, I think people can generally act or not not i can't say not act but there are you know um i think your ability to create and to be an actor is 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 inherent but then it's the technical side of it that you need to do because you can be the best actor in the world but if you lose your nerve on action 
and there's 20 people, you know, stood around watching you, that's very different to doing it in the mirror at home or on your iPhone and, and self-taping. I mean, I had it, I kind of, um, I had a, a, an in-person audition a few weeks back. And it's the first one I've had since we've all come out of lockdown properly. Yeah. You know, loads on Zoom and not Zoom, on um, uh, self-tape. Uh, self-tapes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. And it was, I, I, I was, I was thrown by it because I was so, I practiced it so much in my head and then the self-tape and this. And then when I actually came to do it in the room, I was so much in my own head. I wasn't, I was aware when I came out, I thought, oh no, I wasn't present for the other yeah, actor. Yeah. And I'd lost that, not lost that ability, but I'd been used to doing it in a certain way mm. that it was, it was more of an unnatural aspect, just connecting with the actor in the room. Yeah. Um, so it's a technical aspect and yeah people the stars who have these multi-million dollar films riding on their shoulders they get paid very handsomely but they get paid because they bring in the money for everybody else and they have to do their job because if they don't do their job then there's some very angry people out there and they'll they always say that you're judged on your last performance and especially these guys that are like you know, like in the Marvel movies and all that kind of stuff. They do a movie that's bad or tanks, then their career yeah. is in the toilet. Yeah. It's- and and I'll tell you who springs to mind straight away because his movie that is is Tom Cruise. You know, Tom Cruise is just the ultimate professional, mm-hmm. is he? He pulls it out of the bag every time yeah. for millions and millions of pounds. Um, and, you know, whether you love him, mate, I, I don't see how people could not. I know he's got past and things like that, mm. but as a movie star, he's just the ultimate, is it? He's the ultimate professional. And he doesn't mm. have to, but he loves, you can tell he's passionate and he loves it. And it's not about the fame or the money, it's because he loves films and he's, and he's kept that through all his career. But, you know, I know when he had that rant about COVID and people going, he shouldn't talk like that, you know, all that pressure... I'm surprised you don't get more rants mm. from these top actors because you couldn't blame them. It's like being the CEO of, you know, CEO of a bloody Facebook or something. I don't know, but it's it's that that it's that bigger thing, isn't it? It's, it's a massive thing, especially at the time because at the time it was obviously I didn't hear the whole rant, but obviously heard about it, and it was to do with the COVID, not wearing mm. the mask, and and whether you agree or disagree up. On that set, the insurance and everything else was set that you had to wear um, a mask and do certain precautions. And if you didn't, and if someone got sick, the whole set had to be shut down. So that's hundreds of people who are losing their livelihood. And that's what he was kind of saying. Obviously, perhaps he could have said it in a better way and, you know, delivered it. But then there's that massive pressure, you say, riding on his shoulders and everybody in the heat of the moment. And I think we're kind of everybody is set to such a high standard, especially celebrities. We're all human. And we're all we've all got emotions running through us, and we've got yeah. a million things happening that are not on set. Um, so I think there's a little bit of um, casting the first stone kind of going around. Yeah, yeah. Right. So let's go back. What interests me is RADA because it's an amazing institution. And I remember when I was into it, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe one day I'd apply for that. No chance, not a prayer. Uh, and there's a lot more funding options, things like that. But back in the day, it was, you know, it was very difficult to get in. Um, tell us a bit about that, get, getting into that and 
because was it is it as sort of historic and prestigious as I would have thought it is, or was it because you were younger back then, it was just another platform to learn? Tell me a bit about that. I once I heard that it was my English, my A level English teacher. Um, when I was said I wanted to do acting, he was the one that said, <clears throat> said if you want to do it, then you, you need to go to drama college. And I hadn't really heard of drama colleges um, back then. And he said, there are a few. Here's some, go away and look at them. And I saw RADA, that it was supposedly the best place. Um, so I thought, right, okay, I need to go there. It wasn't a case of, <clears throat> oh, could I, yeah. should I? It was like, oh, well, that's practically, that's, that's the best place I need to go to. And, and I'd seen some uh, people who had been. So I thought, all oh, right, okay. And so it was never really a question. It was, it's weird. It's a weird one because I applied for another couple of drama colleges and it, it took me a while to get in. It took me three goes to get in. Yeah. But I always knew I was going to get in. It was yeah. just a question of when. Yeah. And I look back now and I know why I didn't get in. And I was so much, I was more mature. I was older. I'd experienced a bit of life more. So one night, auditioned the third time I connected with the scripts I knew what I was talking about in the scripts I, I I remember the first time I auditioned and I did a bit of Shakespeare and I couldn't tell you what I was, what I was talking <laughs> yeah. about I was Winging just going, it. Meh, 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 meh. <laughs> and, and it is that thing of bringing your life experience and understanding the text and all that kind of yeah. stuff so by the time I auditioned again um I was I was ready to get in and like I said, but I knew it was just a question of when. And so it was, I was very lucky in that I was, I think it was the, the, the year after me that they stopped doing grants. Right. As I was able to get a grant for the, the tuition and a living grant. So I was able to go. Because it's not cheap at all, is it, to get in there? No, it's thousands, yeah, to do it. So, but rather at the time, it, they had this image or have this image that it was, um, you know, very middle class and very elitist. But at the time, certainly when I was there, they tried to bring in people from all walks of life mm -hmm. and they were very proud. And Oliver Neville, the principal at the time, he was very proud in that he never, once a student had been selected, he, he, he never lost them. Mm unless they decided to go to another drama college, but generally that never happened. And so he would try and get sponsorship from places. I know uh, Richard Attenborough um, uh, sponsored each year, would sponsor a student yeah. and those other people. And you had to show all your writing off to people to try and get money from uh, people. And if you still couldn't get it, then they would try and get it yeah. from another source for you. So they always, they were, they were, you know, they were very much proponents of, of, of bringing everybody from all walks of life. And there was people from all over. In has that areas. changed? Has that changed now? Because I know there's a bit more, mm -hmm. there has been in the past about acting's only for elitists and there was mm -hmm. that sort of argument. Would you say rather is, has changed now? It's not so much for everyone or? or... That I can't say um, okay. because I don't know the ins and outs of yeah. it. But I do know that they changed to having it as a degree course in order for people to be able to get grants right, to go okay. to there. So technically, 
anybody can still go because you can get a university um, state level grant. Yeah. Um, but obviously you come out with not grant, it's not grant, is it? It's um, what do they call it? Was you come out, you owe it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit, yeah. Loan, isn't it? You get the loan. So you can get them, but obviously you come out in debt, but like any other kind of university course these days, which is a bit of a shame. And I would have thought the process, you know, (laughs) it's still hard to get in regardless. Mm -hmm. It's all about the work and being, and, putting the work in like say knowing the text and and being the right fit because they must have so many people apply yeah you know and they only want the best let's be honest they only well, of course you know yeah. i went so what you know yeah all right so <laughs> blowing your own trumpet right yeah talking about blowing your own trumpet whenever anyone's been rada they've always trained with someone or some oscar winner come on name drop who, who was there with you there must have been someone um Andy Lincoln was in our year. Ah, bless him. Dead. Love Andrew Lincoln. He yeah. did brilliant on Walking Dead. I don't know how he did so much. Yeah, right. it was very hot and sweaty, I understand, quite a lot of the time. But I'm sure he got Atlanta. paid well paid well for that. Who else? Anyone else? Uh Steve Mangan. Oh yeah, yeah. Um well Sean Parks. Oh right, okay. Uh, um and how did you, how did you feel when the when you were training there? Did because were you there three years? Three years, yeah. Three years. So when it come to like that third year, were you thinking, I've got an handle on this. I'm 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 flying here. I'm I'm. You, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Did you, you come did, out thinking you know everything? <laughs> wow, well, yeah. But did you feel as as um, an actor, you were really you were confident. You were confident you could get out into the world because let's face it, acting's bloody hard. You know, anything to do mm. with things like that is, is difficult. And you're trying to find a job. Did you come out of there thinking, "Oh, this is going to be easy," or were you still? Um, I didn't I didn't come out thinking that it'd be easy um, because I knew it all and I was trained up and I'm kind of ready to rock and roll now. I think we just come out with a naivety more than anything uh, that. Certainly back then, there was more, there seemed to be more kudos than there is now for being trained at a drama yeah. college. So you, we did come out as RADA students and for people from other places like Lambda and Central and Guildhall and things. You did come out with a bit of a badge. So casting directors would see you and agents would take notice. Yeah. So you were kind of off you had that but that only lasted for a certain number of years and you're a graduate so everybody wants to see get the next yeah. big thing so you're in a kind of different category when you first come out i think that's changed slightly now yeah um but certainly at that time it was a bit of a badge and badge of honor to come out with so i did you know get into a few more doors um and i had a good agent and was able to to be seen by quite a lot of people um but what the reality was, of the business hits quite Yeah, quite yeah, 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 exactly. You know, no one's yeah. indispensable. And mm-hmm. like I say, it's, it's a difficult career, I suppose. What you're mm-hmm. trying to do is one, work, because it's a job and you, you need money and you want to work. And the other thing, I suppose, is to build up a career where um, you start building up this career, whether it's in TV or film or whatever, because then that can lead to the next job. Would that be right in saying that? Yeah, there is a certain career carve. Um, I think, again, it's 
you certainly from my perspective I, I would try to do things that were different different characters and good stuff and there was certain stuff I wouldn't do and so there is an aspect of that and I believe it's we're in this job because we love what we're doing and to do a job that you're unhappy in and creatively doesn't inspire you I don't really kind of see the point for me personally yeah. um I know people have different points of view on that so in that respect I've tried to but there is this kind of thing where people assume that we constantly going yes no yes no and then <laughs> yeah. offers are flying in left right and center and you go no no can't possibly do it. Um, oh, i might do that it's it's not it's if the job comes in you're like oh great you know do a self tape oh yes i'll do a self tape it's there's there's not as many opportunities as people maybe perceive um and 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 as a woman in the industry and getting older in the industry those roles have narrowed considerably mm. and i'm not kind of banging on the drum about it but that is a challenge in itself and you get categorized quite a lot more so than a man and therefore that tailors the roles even more so it does get harder which is one of the reasons why i wanted to write something mm, for myself yeah. and to just yeah spot. i suppose like you say it's frustrating because <laughs> being an actor is uh i mean i haven't been as a, a paid actor but like you say you are you want to, I suppose you don't want to be doing one job and then that finishes and then you, you, you're desperate to fall on the other. You know, it's not like a stack, it's not a stable career, is it? Let's be honest. So then you've not only, you're forcing, you, you, you're not forcing your career, but you, you, you're working on your career and you're working hard all these years. So then you get a little bit older and the work draws up, not because you're doing poor work, but be just because the roles are going, getting less and less. I suppose that's quite disheartening, isn't it? For, you know, for yourself. Frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is. It, I mean, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. And the industry is changing slightly. There are more roles and people are more accepting, but and there are some great actors who are in that niche. Um, and will get cast a lot so there may be some roles coming out but nobody else kind of gets a, a kind of look in because those roles are already written for these um yeah people who are doing really well which is great um so just, there just needs to be more written basically there just needs yeah. to be more. and it's frustrating and, and for me you know I, mm. I write stuff and i'm always thinking about interesting characters regardless of you know we talk about diversity mm. regardless of that interesting characters interesting characters you know some of the most interesting characters are to me are young kids or people that have got life's experiences so you you, you think you know the writing out there would be full of those kind of people um but like you say so when it when it's sort of just the same sort of age. I'm thinking of TV shows now. I'm not going to say, but there's certain TV shows and you think, come on, you know, one older person sticks out like a sore thumb, but look, you know, it is what it is. I'll feel your frustration. I'll feel your frustration. I'll, I'll write a film just for you, Sarah. How's that? Thanks very much. 
Done. Sold. <laughs> yeah, if I don't pay much, <laughs> that's the only problem. Why don't you give me a sandwich? I'll be there. <laughs> oh, well, you sort it then. You sort it. <laughs> so, so, so you come out of RADA and then you get into your career and you've done so many things. You know, uh, uh, I know about your t- TV, well, some of your TV. Did you go to theatre when you first left? Because I guess a lot of it is theatre, obviously theatre. Or did you get straight into TV? What was that transition like? I got straight into TV, really. Um, I did a lot of theatre before I went to RADA, and obviously did theatre through RADA. But I always... It's not that I prefer one or the other, but my, my... I think my first love is TV and film, the camera, camera work. Um, I like small intimate theatres, which is kind of the same thing as doing camera work in that it, I prefer the more naturalistic um, acting, like more contained. I feel very false when I do kind of cross arch yeah. theatre and stuff. I've done loads of musicals and I absolutely adore doing that. And I did say do loads and, uh, musicals and um, Gilbert and Sullivan and, and big kind of productions and and I absolutely adore that kind of stuff. But uh, but my my love is is the the intent the more kind of concentrated acting. So, but I did go up for theatre and I've done little smatterings. But uh, it's 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 just the industry. I suppose it's like anything you get categorised in one way, and the more TV you do, the less kind of theatre opportunities come up and vice versa and more people who struggle to get into tv and film because they've done so much theater and they're amazing at their acting but people won't give them a chance because they're like oh you're not a tv person or oh, you haven't done your camera work and it's it's kind of be frustrating both ways so you do get like any industry you get categorized and, and pigeonholed a bit i'm quite surprised i'll tell you what i'm quite surprised at i did uh i made my debut feature film um, a couple of years ago mm. it was only low budget thing but it was just a great way of me getting started mm. um and someone said you could do that as a theater place so i was like oh okay you know being a creative you know what it's like you're always doing something so oh yeah great idea so uh, hopefully next year you know it, i'll turn I'll, i've wrote it now as a play and we're going to do it as a play and, and try it nice. but the difference like I didn't realise how, mm. you know, I thought oh, I've made a film theatre, <laughs> you know, can go, can go find a find a little empty rehearsal spot, job done. Oh my God, it's probably more complex, more frustrating, you know, trying to get help. It's like <laughs> I think I'd rather make a film. It's it's completely different beast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the, all all disciplines are very different whether you're in front or behind the camera, absolutely. And the writing and everything, yeah, it's, it's a completely different discipline. Um, certainly in acting terms, the best analogy was it, uh, a director we had, and he said that acting-wise, that theatre, you think of theatre as, as a, a tin of chopped tomatoes and film and TV as tomato paste <laughs> yeah that's a good analogy it's the same yeah. ingredients it's just concentrated down oh, that was brilliant i've always kept that as an analogy yeah i mean don't get me wrong it'll be a great buzz and especially if i've written it and it, you can mm. see it being played out it'll be you'll still get that that 
that high, that that creative, you know. Mm. But um, I was quite surprised what a, what a completely it's just a totally different entity, you know. Mm-hmm. I probably went naive thinking, well, I've done this, so I've got I know how to direct actors and and what's what. But no, it's 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 a totally different entity, but it's very creative. So so you go into TV, and um, so what sort of TV did you start off on? Uh, I know you went into the House of Angelo, weren't it, or something like that. Is that your first? Uh, that was, that was a role? film. Yeah, was that my first job? I'm just looking on your Wikipedia. Are you updated oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even. Know. How am I supposed to know if you don't know? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was um, Pie in the Sky or something. Uh, oh, was it? So a classic then. Yeah, so, with uh, Richard Griffith. Was it a good? You know, a, a TV, a decent. I was a receptionist, I think I had one line. Oh, did you? But what was that like? Oh, just being on set was fabulous. I mean, I've always been obsessed with being on sets and Hollywood and just, you know, studios and things. I absolutely adore that. So just being on set was amazing and watching him work. And everybody called him Sir. It's great. And he's 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 this great actor walking around. And I had the line, you know, with him. And he comes up to me, asks me a question. Who was that? Which actor was that? Uh, Richard Griffiths. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So that a legend, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was that was brilliant. And then I did. Uh, I remember. I think that was the first. Oh, was it the Cookson? I did one of the Cookson films. Um, uh, Tilly Trotter. Oh no, no, the Glass Virgin was the first one. The Glass was Virgin. Was it? Yeah, Glass God. Virgin, with uh, quite a few people. Uh, Brendan Coyle, who's doing. Downton and stuff now yeah um and it was and it was a night shoot i love night shoots because everything's quite calm isn't it the, the, yeah the, yeah really, yeah, yeah. The big lights up and stuff i remember getting uh, driven to set from makeup and all the costume and stuff on and get driven and set and i was just driving and there was the horse and cart and carriage yeah and massive, um thingy like uh what do you call them thingy lights um and everybody was walking around with the walkie-talkies. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I still yeah. remember it now. It's just this amazing experience. It's like, I'm finally here. You know, I've done it. I'm here on set, doing a set. And I absolutely adored doing that job. Yeah. It was just yeah. brilliant. And we did this scene, you know, hundreds of times. But it was just brilliant and magical. And, yeah, I, I, being on set is just, I just love being on set. Even if I'm not filming, I like to sit and watch on set. Because yeah. I just like the whole process and being in that atmosphere and the, just the whole connection yeah. and make-believe stuff. It's, yeah, so, so obviously you, you get your different roles. You had a, you made a big TV role was obviously on, on Holby city. Mm-hmm. Uh, now TV shows like that, that are an institution that are just, you know, churning out weekly daily episodes. Is that a different kind of vibe? Does it feel a lot more like a job because your set's your set, there's the script, you know, and, and you really, I suppose as an actor, you have to, it, it's more of a, um, you're manufacturing sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's more mm-hmm. of a, right, this is a process today, process tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it, I would guess it's much more intense as a job. Would, would that be right? Yeah, there's a lot more pressure with it because you're doing an hour's TV in, what do we do, in 12? 12 days including the weekend so it's like a yeah. week and a half like yeah it's about 
about a week and a half for each, which is going some, doing it now. But obviously you've got all the sets set there, so you're not having to move around. And there was a few location shoots, but mostly was was on set. And you'd come in and you'd rehearse and you'd, you'd mark it out. And then you'd, with the director and then the crew would come in and see what you're doing. And then they'd you'd go away and sit in the dressing room or whatever, hang out for an hour or something, or half, not, not an hour, maybe it's an hour, half an hour, while they set it and, light, and lit it um, correctly. And they'd come on and film it. Um, it was, when I was in it, it, was, it wasn't the weekly show. Right, okay. All through the year. It was, we did seasons of it. So it was a little less pressure, I'd imagine, than what has been. Um, but it still was a quick turnaround and you had to do it and you had to hit your mark and, and do it quickly. You get a few takes, but if you started taking more, then you, you're taking time out for the rest of the day. So there was, there was definitely a pressure with it. Um, it was great. The crew were amazing. So everything was slick. And once obviously we get, we got going, everybody knew what they were doing and it was a lot quicker and more effortless. And, and I was lucky I had a good story arc. So it was, you do get into that rhythm and you do get to know the character more and especially with a scripture, like mm, character wouldn't do that. And so you'd have a little bit of free range to kind of manipulate things slightly and see part of that kind of creation. And it, it, it kind of, it does get like a job. You're there mm. pretty much, what was I from like seven until seven at night some days come in and you do half days, but a lot of the time I would like, and I would like to hang around. I would um, just enjoy being around on set. So there was, yeah, there was the pressure. I tell you what, more pressure was was EastEnders when I do EastEnders. I was getting that's oh, what I was just about word. to say because that is just a, a oh my god, <clears throat> that is relentless, and how people like legends like Adam do it. For what, 20, 30? I mean, you know, Bill Roach, Coronation Street. Tell us a bit about what that's like. Yeah, absolutely. Hats off to them because the, 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 the process is so quick. I came in last minute for the, for the part. I think it was like three days beforehand. I think somebody dropped out and um, the producer had known me from Holby and said, would you come and do it? And I was like, yeah, great. So one minute I'm like, sat at home the next minute. I'm on the set of EastEnders. And I was like, ooh. Um, in the market, you know, um, <laughs> taking <it> selfies. <laughs> there was no selfies in those days. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So your age now. <laughs> Fifty-one ten or whatever it was called, you know. Um, and it was, but I was so nervous. Oh my god! And the script, I just, I just found it really difficult to learn. And plus the the pressure. Talk about the before about the pressure of it. And I got on set and the first scene, we, it was in the market and so should we do a quick rehearsal, a quick line read? And I think I had about three lines, you know, and did it and I dried. <laughs> and I was, cause I was just so like, oh my God. And it's like people, everybody that I knew and, and I just absolutely dried. And um, the actor, oh, oh, I've forgotten her name. Oh my god! It'll come to be it later on. One of the main uh, played back but Pat Butcher. Oh, oh yeah. Um, oh, I forgot her name. That's horrendous. Yeah, I know what you mean. It'll come to me later. Yeah, I'm. And she went, Would you like the script, dear? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I was like, I know this. I know my lines. No, I didn't. 
but that's pure the pure pressure i got over myself and, and gone on it but if um, we we're doing the scenes and one two takes maximum we did over that everyone was like yeah, oh god oh god these actors you know it's like oh got to get on with it so there was a, a massive pressure with that and it's multi-camera mm. that is <clears throat> that's a skill in itself and they cut it live in the gallery they edit it as they're doing it so you've got and you can see which camera's on because they've got a little red light on so you're doing a scene and obviously they're going to be focusing on the main yeah. character was I was working with Tracy Ann Overman a lot, who was lovely. And you could see that the light light would come on in the camera. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be on camera here. But you just gotta... it, was, it was obviously on her. So I'm doing this, yeah. this two scene with her. And there's one particular scene. And she's getting filmed by this camera coming here. And then I can see there's another camera that would be covering me. <clears throat> and another one kind of over this way. Probably the camera over yeah. this way. So I was talking to it. So I, I adapted what I was doing. And, and luckily I had a lot of kind of thinking time in, in the scene and kind of looking at the, yeah. this book or whatever we were looking at on the counter of the pub. And then I'd be like kind of looking off and going and kind of bringing my face around and thinking and, and doing a bit of acting this way because just to be on camera. So to try and keep in the moment, be present for the yeah. actor, knowing where the light is, and these guys are doing that all all the time. That was that was massive. So just being aware of, as you have to do on camera anyway. But usually, you know, you've got one camera mm. and you've got an actor next to it, and you're you know you're speaking off to them, yeah. or whatever the shot may be. But doing that multiple camera yeah. and seeing the red lights and going, okay, well, I can in my periphery. <laughs> I know that's taken me, so I can say this line, and this is gonna oh, that light it's on. So actually, when I'm saying my line, I can just look over there a bit and be oh, captured by God. it instead of doing this in <laughs> on camera. So, the thing is, the thing is, the whole point of acting is to not act, but you can't help it because the process is making you act because you're thinking about what you're mm -hmm. doing instead of just being, yeah. which, and that's, I suppose, that's, that's one of the fundamental processes of TV, but that's why you notice a difference when you see something maybe of one of these high-end TV shows or a film where they can get into the character and it gives them that time and that setup. Mm. Um, but yeah, TV shows like that, it's just, I don't think people realise just sort of, mm. you know, the, the, the process is, is fascinating. Mm. Now, obviously, last night, because uh, Ricky Gervais popped up uh, as well I know you worked on extras mm -hmm. and I was watching his new comedy special and oh my god he does not hold back um, and I love Ricky Gervais because he's not apologetic about what he what he says and he puts it into context and he makes people understand that it is a joke but I was thinking last night you know if it wasn't for people like him I think comedy would be in a real shit state almost because you have to have that uh, that honesty and when you lose that a little bit you know what I mean would you agree tell me a little bit about what, what your thoughts are on Ricky because you work with him yeah well he's an amazing creative mm. yeah. <clears throat> whether you like his comedy or his scripts or whether you like them or not he is a comedy genius I've always said that he just has something and he can see the world and he can 
deliver that to people in in a way that other a lot of people can't that's why he's as successful as he is um in terms of his comedy i think and as you say he explains it it's it's when he he he's not a cru- i'm saying I, I don't i don't know him in in personal yeah. terms to me he he isn't a cruel person with yeah. his comedy it's he's 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 laughing at people who would make assumptions about certain types of yeah. people he's not saying i'm one of them he's he take the way it's i see comedy yeah. he takes he, he he ridicules people who have unfavorable views of other people yeah from what i said i haven't seen the latest one but um he's just very oh the latest one he does <laughs> not trust me he does not hold back i mean even i was thinking that is close to the bone but then the other side of me was thinking you know we we, we need comedians like that because like you say I, I, I don't know the guy but i'm guessing he's a lovely person he's very professional he's brilliant at what he does um and it's the irony isn't it you know because and this happened with Dave Chappelle as well. You know, you talk, for instance, the trans community is a massive thing. You know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll talk about them, but you're almost supporting them. You're supporting them and you're pulling out the irony of people that, are, you know, I remember I had a, um, a lady on here, Holly. She was on the SAS show, lovely, lovely woman. And she was transgender. And, and she was saying one of the worst people that the all transgender is people like Caitlyn Jenner you know what I mean because they're not you know it's like she said I don't have to be doled up and look like a woman to feel like a woman I am a woman do you see what I mean and sometimes I think yeah there there is that irony isn't there where you know I think that you're always going to have that small percentage that say oh hold on you've offended me but in reality you know keeping the, the the subject open and talking about it is is a is can only be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going in. It is that just it's just acceptance, isn't it? I, I it just I don't it it just leaves me flabbergasted that people aren't accepting of other people. And as long as you're not running around hurting other people, what does it impact on your life? You know, it's mm. we need to support each other and be loving to each other, not tearing each other down for anything. Yeah anything any differences you know we should be celebrating our differences and when we and i've seen a few of ricky gervais behind the scenes always laughing and joking what is he like on set is he like that or is that just done for the cameras and is he a consummate professional or is he one of these that's just constantly joking about he is a professional to the bone but he cops is like i've never seen yeah what do you see? It's because he's like a kid. He just genuinely seems to enjoy, you know, what he's doing, and yeah. people make him laugh. So he just cracks up and laughs. And he's, but he's. When I worked, it was the most supportive environment, and the people ad libbing, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, keep going. And even though he's written these scripts, people would ad lib and bring their own ideas. And he was like, yeah, great, okay, we'll do that again, do that again. So it may look like it's off the cuff, but if there were any ad libs um he'd say right okay great let's do it again do that again and this this the shots would be rehearsed Mm. even though it was ad lib so but it would always seem like it was off the cuff and he does so many different angles which is 
certainly when the extras when I worked with them those quick those um different angles and different shots all make it kind of feel like it's voyeuristic and kind of watching in rather than being a tv show yeah um and he was great the i had that the one the the big scene in in the makeup trailer where we can't remember and it went on forever i mean that's cut quite a lot in the show it went on and on and it was just that ringing of the towel excruciating down it was just brilliant but you know obviously time restraints i can't have the whole scene going on but that was brilliant but we were working and the location was different to the one he'd had planned out i think so they had to rearrange the um the shots and things and he was getting a bit oh come on you know let's get this done we're a little bit behind because of that and he's never behind the sets were always like run yeah just relaxed professional but everything was on time we finished early every i'm saying we did a few days they always finished early Mm. and we were doing the scene and i had to kind of do a bit of movement in it and the camera and we blocked it and the camera chap was saying look i'm not going to get sarah from this angle because it's going to be here instead of something and i said and i said oh i don't mind you know changing and i can walk you know towards lisa tarbuck who's in the scene on that line if you'd like me to and he was like no he said we follow you you know kind of thing and i was like okay <laughs> that is rare yeah you know, it's like it's, it's all about generally especially in tv it's like right we need to be there need to be there yeah, yeah. need to be there you might get a bit of rehearsal time but it's it, and if the cameras come in, it's like, oh, we needed to do that now. Or we just needed to be in that spot because we can't see you in that one. And you've yeah. got to change it and think of a reason yeah. why you would walk over there. That it, that was the difference in his, his set was yeah. the creativity was from the bottom upwards. Yeah. Or to the top down, should I say. <clears throat> and him and Stephen, the, the, you know, their creation and their, their vision and the pair of them would be swapping, directing, <clears throat> directing each other. Hmm. So any, any discussions about uh, dialogue you can have on set, it wasn't a phone call to the producers. Or yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Well, you can't really change it. You know, you can't. Oh, we've got... Yeah, yeah. You know, got and I think that shines through on probably how successful he is and, mm. well, him and Stephen. And, and you see it, I suppose, that, you know, Office was the one that, you know, that rocketed him. And it's be probably because of that process where mm. you can tell all the actors are involved. You can tell the actors have had a say in it. Um, and there's no strict structure, which gives you that documentary kind of feel, but it's fresh in it. And, and that- it is, it is very structured. I would, yeah, I would just come back on that. It is, it, it does have that feel of yeah. being ad-libbed and off the cuff and quirky, but everything is planned out. Mm, everything. Yeah. So I don't know the office, obviously I didn't work on the office, but certainly in terms of extras, like a normal set, everything is, is figured out. And if it is, I'd lived it, it was doing it again. Yeah. So that is, like you say, the genius of it because mm. everything is so professional and known. Yeah. And if they do ad libs, so, you know, you've seen the outtakes, I'm sure, where they yeah. do <laughs> most outrageous yeah. lines and ad libs left, right and center. But if there's one that, that works, so certainly when I was there, he would get them to do it again. Yeah. Oh um, no, that's that's good for for an actor. Right, so tell me a little bit about your writing because I know you said you're trying to find new roles difficult, so you are going to write roles for yourself, which I think is amazing. Because I mean, for me, someone that 
you know, is low budget filmmaking and just I'll write things. I know I can film. I know I can make. I know the characters, and I'll get, there's quite a lot of freedom in that. The downside is you've got to try and get it made. <laughs> you get somebody to give you some money. <laughs> yeah. So we don't want any Marvel shit round here in your 200 million. Give me 20 grand and I'll do what I want to do. But So tell me a little bit about that because this is under the banner of Bamboo Media that, that mm. you're running as well, isn't it? Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. So this is been curating a few projects and I've been writing uh on a project of, of a friend uh and then we're working together we're working on another project but the one kind of flagship show but the first show that we're going to do is the tv series that i've written i spent quite a few years working on it um and it's 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 just morphed and progressed and i thought i want to write something but i don't really know what i want to write about um, and that thing of, you know, come back to what you love, write about what you know, or what you're interested in. I thought, well, I love sci-fi. <laughs> I was like, how on earth am I going to write a sci-fi? How, who am I to write a sci-fi? Um, I thought I like dramas. Um, I like, and I like it when they're married. And I, I like grounded sci-fi. So things like... Um, Battlestar Galactica, the new series, or the latest series, uh, the reimagining of that, and things like Misfits, that are they've got these supernatural elements or um, scientific elements, mm. sci-fi elements, but it's all very grounded in reality, and it's not so far from you know the lives that we live, and it's just these people have extraordinary abilities or are in extraordinary situations, or living with Cylons. Um, so I like that aspect. So I just, I'd had these two scenes in my head for years. Um, so I thought, right. So one day I thought, right, I'm a laptop out. And I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to start writing. I'd had a big shift in my life and I thought, I'm going to start doing this now. Cause just, you know, yeah, just do it. So I put these scenes down, type these scenes and they haven't really changed since I first um, typed them into the computer. And, and then I started blossoming it out from there and just creating this world. And then a friend of mine gave me, a very old friend of mine gave me, um, when she heard what I was doing, she said, oh, have you read this story? It's a short story, Command Performance. All right. That was in Galaxy Magazine, which was the first sci-fi magazine in the 60s. Wow. Uh, and I hadn't. So I read that and I was like, oh my God, it really kind of fired my imagination. So I've taken that and then just kind of use that as a launch pad for the rest of it so take yeah. the kernel of the idea <clears throat> and the themes in it and then excuse me expanded it out and created a whole world and things so this i haven't started as as you would normally do as a writer going right i'm going to write about this and it's going to be um you know these characters and i'm going to plot it out and it's going to be x y and z i've i've written it and i've just written and i've let the characters talk and develop yeah. and have a bit of a basic idea so it's just mushroomed and blossomed and blossomed and blossomed. And hopefully the drafts have got better. Is that so into it, production or is that something that you're pitching or what? What? We're in the kind of pitching stages of it. We're in the pitching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're in the boring bit now of, of trying to give, get people to give us money or to work with us. Yeah. So obviously we're quite new. I've been in front of the camera for quite a number of years, but not behind, behind it. Yeah. So we're looking to perhaps partner with another production company 
we can collaborate with and um, we've got a producer. So we're, we're going through all that at the moment. Yeah. That's the usual kind of waiting for other people to get back to you. Yeah, scenario. Yeah. So I'm just cracking on with That's, other things. Sounds, sounds interesting. And the other thing I noticed, cause I know we I spoke about this at the start with Bamboo Media, is you say you are trying to do more in the Northeast uh, regions. And that always mm. interests me cause I'm a big Midlands filmmaker mm. and I'm a big advocate of, making uh, films in the midlands it always is difficult because london's the heart of everything it's where everything happens you know sometimes i'll have to go down there for certain things mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about that what that's about moving sort of getting more up there yeah i mean obviously i'm from the northeast originally from middlesbrough and there i've all there is a lack of productions that are based there yeah and also that promote the area in a positive light mm. yeah and we also got productions like vera um which is great but it's still this gritty gritty northern thing and there's murders mm. left right and center and and it's all about the <sighs> i kind of wanted to to create productions that were local based as i say in the thing this new term that's being phrased glocal glocal i've not heard of that before what the bloody hell is that all about glocal glocal so it's global local (laughs) christ (sighs) it's uh it's as it says on the tin okay local production local based with global appeal yeah so which is good because you like you say it's People outside of England will think of London, and when it's not, even we kind of think if it's if it's um, regional based, then it's about the toils and the torment and the struggles that people have in these areas, and look how hard life is in in the local areas, you know, in the the regional areas. A lot of the time, I'm mm, kind of yeah, you know, yeah. Oh no, that's broad brushstroke here. So I wanted to it's a bit of a love letter to the Northeast, and but it's also to show the Northeast in a really positive light. Yes, it's a, a, a psychological thriller and there's there's darkness within it, but it just it's set there. The surrounding area and the landmarks are part of the whole atmosphere of the script. They are part of the script. They're very integral parts of the script as it develops on. And so I just wanted to bring people's attention and go, look, we've got this, we've got that. And there's all different aspects. And we've got the the, the beach and we've got the countryside and we've got the towns and there's the new infrastructure and the yeah. juxtaposed with the old ancient structures like in, in uh, Newcastle with the castle, yeah. which is hundreds of years old. Um, it's because and I think when you live somewhere I mean it's like where where I live you know all those places that are mm. fascinating but no mm. one else does and it's sort of a way of saying you know I'd love it if I could make something and showcase this mm. area and this land and this property and this history so it's nice to do it that that in a way isn't it yeah and it, it just I think it, it adds a bit of USP to it as well that it's it's uh, it's set in the northeast. That this psychological thriller is set in the northeast. I, there hasn't been one in the regions. It, it does tend to be big city kind of aspects, um, and I think that the musicality of the accents and the language uh, 
bring another aspect to it. And there's, as an American character in the script, because the story will develop beyond there as well. And I just love the idea of American accent in the Northeast. <laughs> I always find it really. Done that like a sore thumb, we are. <laughs> yeah, I always find it quite jarring when you watch things like American and you hear an English accent. Yeah. Or it's in English and you hear an American accent in it. It kind of makes you go, oh. But to stick an American accent in the Northeast. In yeah. Part, um, I think it'd be even jarring, which called kind of layers with the whole. Especially if it's strong, thing. especially if it's like, uh, what's New New York? Was like a New, New York, York accent or <laughs> real. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's why I never became an actor. Uh, but no, that, that does sound fascinating. So I always ask my guests for a bit of advice. It could be a bit of advice that you've given or you've had that maybe you could give our listeners a bit of advice. Yeah, for me, the biggest bit of advice uh, was from my dad, which oh. was reach reach for the stars because you know it's come down a little bit that's <laughs> his paraphrase of it you know it's coming down for a little yeah. bit i was come down a little bit and land on the moon <laughs> just to to strive for something to reach yeah just to reach for the stars i think that's going back to the rada thing it was it was the best place so that's where i wanted to go and and if it didn't work out then something else would happen but if you never try for those high-end things whatever whatever it is in your life if you don't try for it then you're never going to know whether you could have achieved it or not and you know we all struggle with the kind of self, you know imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff and oh could i should i mm, what's people gonna think but i try to do that with everything that i do um because i think well what's the worst that can happen you know like that this this is my first production people keep saying to me oh well, have you done a short film and i'm like nope <laughs> You don't have to oh, do a short right. film. Get stuck. Well, do you not think you should? And I'm like, well, the amount of effort, you know how much effort yeah. goes into sure. doing something. Whether you have a budget of, obviously the constraints are more, if you have 20,000 or 200,000 yeah. or 200 million, you still got to get all your crew, all your cast, all your locations. The logistics are still the same. One just might be slightly harder than the other. So... You know, I'm I'm coming out the gate with a high-end television. You know, yeah. million per. Ep. What are you? Um, will we see you on TV anywhere in the future? Anything coming up? Uh, not at the moment, but I am uh, about. As I said before, start <laughs> about to start a podcast. If oh I'm my not god! Cut out, yeah. <laughs> Interviewing people from the northeast, actors and uh, musicians oh, and artists good. from the northeast. Yeah. Um, Have you got a life. name for it? Is it? Name for it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be called the Pure Belter Podcast. Pure Belter. Pure Belter. Oh, well, that's a cracking name for it. Um, and I always ask my guests for a favourite. It can be a film or, or a, a book or anything like that, just something that's accessible to people. Uh, <clears throat> it was a film, actually. It came back into my awareness a couple of days ago. Uh, and it is A Matter of Life and Death with David Niven. Have you that's ever seen it? The 1943, I believe, it was made. No, I don't think I have. It's an amazing film. And I watch a lot of films, but life and death. Yeah, I saw it years ago when I was very, very young, and it just always sat with me. Yeah. Um, I won't tell you, I won't spoil it, because I hate spoilers when I go see films, but it's, yeah, it's just the whole, everything about it and the concept of it. 
that kind of concept and the underlying concept of it and philosophies within it have stayed with me and I think colour what I've been writing as well. Oh, well, I'll find that and I will, I will watch that. I love mm. a, new, a new film that I haven't uh, seen, especially if it's an oldie. Yeah, it's Powell and Pressburg. Um, Some of the old, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean my lad, I'll, I'll keep, because he's into films, because I've got him into films, and I'll say to him, oh, have you seen this yet? And you've mm. seen this? And I'll say, no, it's black and white, Dad. Why would I watch that? I'm like, oh, son. <laughs> so I'll just shake him and say, look. Go and watch it, and then he'll watch one. He'll be like, actually, I quite enjoyed that. He's just getting that over that first study. It's like foreign films, isn't it? I remember myself, yeah, yeah. I got him over the first, and that's it. But once he sees one and he enjoys it, he'll actually watch more, which is which what younger kids should do this day and age, but they've got to be pushed, don't they? Yeah. Well, it's good you're there to show him and give him the different different um, types of things out there. Definitely, definitely. Can I just say, I love your backdrop and your, your background. And all yeah, so this is the man cave. Well, like I say, because I'm into films, um, I used to have a lot of this in the house and eventually one day my wife just snapped and said, get it all out. <laughs> so I used to be a carpenter, so I just built this in the yeah, garden okay. and put it all in here. <laughs> nice. Very which is great, there. which is great. It, the problem is I haven't seen my wife for 10 years, but, you know. <laughs> you haven't moved out. I've got my own space. I love it. Like, the only problem like is I'm, out, yeah. I'm running out of room. Look, you can see how everything, like the, the space is in the, I bought some of the other day. I was like, oh, yeah. I should have bought that really. But it looks so good. Oh. What's your favourite piece? There's so many. I mean, um, I met uh, Nick Cassu who played uh, Michael Myers in um, oh. Halloween. Oh, okay. The poster for me and that's something special. And also Sean Young from Blade Runner. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's. But I've just got so. I've just. I've got Robert De Niro over there. Um, nice. Stephen Graham. Love Stephen Graham. Isn't he a fabulous actor? Just love yeah. Him. So yeah. Yeah, he is. yeah. It's good. You should get one. Do it. Treat yourself. What a, man, what, a man, man cave. cave. Yeah, man cave. Well, a girl cave. <laughs> that's sexist, isn't it? There we go. Come on, come on. Person. Oh, cave. sorry. A neutral cave. <laughs> Just a cave will do. Just a cave. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Sarah. I've, re- I've, I've loved the chat. Um, what I'll do is put the links. The links will go in to when we release this podcast. But just make sure you uh, keep in touch. If people mm. want to uh, find out more about you, where should they go? Um, I'm most active on instagram uh which is sarah jane preston and obviously the bamboo stuff i've just started doing the, the social media for that because that's a, that's a yeah ball the good game, old social media oh Yay. so that's bamboo media uh pro on everything i'll tell you um, when you know you've made it sarah, sarah is when you can employ someone to do social media for you oh. i keep my daughter's 13 i'm like look i'll give you five pound just do me a post. And she's like, no, yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Get someone to do all that rubbish. Outsourcing. Yep. Yep. That's the next one. Well, look, if you get anywhere with your, your, your TV show and that's keep it, you know, come back on the podcast and uh, yeah. one in a year's time and, and have a catch up. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to. Okay. Thanks ever so much, Sarah. Look after yourself. And you take care. Take care. Bye.
So that's it. Massive thanks again to Sarah for joining me and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next few months, there are some more amazing interviews. The podcast streaming on the usual platforms, please, iTunes, Spotify, please like, subscribe, rate. Oh, I don't know, whatever you do now. <laughs> I'm terrible, ain't I? Um, remember the chats on YouTube as well. A little 20-minute clip, I always pop it on there. Uh, and if you want to keep up to date on social media, Facebook is my way thinking podcast. Instagram's my what podcast. And finally, if you want to get in touch or you think you know someone who would be a great guest, email me. It's my whatpodcast at AOL.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.